0: If you don't read the newspaper, you're uninformed. If you do read it, you're misinformed. What is the
1: long-term effect of too much information? Information, information, I just need some information. I've been dying, I've been dying, is it lack of education? I've been reading, I've been reading without any transformation. I'm addicted, I'm addicted, is it overstimulation? Welcome to the The Sixth Sense Report. Hear ye, hear ye, come on, come on. You are listening to The Sixth Sense Report. With Joel Nikoloff and Darnell Samuels. How you feeling, Joel? I'm feeling good, man. How about you? I'm, man, I'm excited. I can't wait, man. Because you know me, I'm I'm a wannabe educator. So, uh, oh, I, I, thought I you just like to talk, huh? But well, I no, I I, <laughs> I I I don't. I... <laughs> so, anyways, we're we're gonna we're gonna jump into uh, this uh, topic of education. Uh, the BBC released an article, uh, basically saying that canada is an education superpower so we're gonna really look at what does that mean right because it's it's one of those things that kind of gets you saying oh wow give us a pat on the back yeah i'm proud of my country oh man maybe yeah (laughs) oh canada uh, right okay so basically the points that stuck out from the article which will be the launching point for the discussion is um At the university level, Canada has the world's highest proportion of working age adults who have been through post-secondary education, 55% compared with an average in the OECD, which is the Organization for Economic Cooperation and Development, um, countries of 35%. More than a third of young adults in Canada are from families where both parents are from another country children of newly arrived migrant families seem to integrate quickly and perform at the same level as their classmates and then the last point the variation in scores in canada caused in, sorry in canada caused by advantaged and disadvantaged students was low and that socioeconomic differences in canada was 9% compared with 20% in france and 17% in Singapore. Uh, so, Joel, what did you think?
0: Yeah, I mean, you know, it's you know, in, term, in terms of, like, being proud, you know, it's like one of the big points was, like, international PISA tests. I don't know if I'm saying that right. Uh, Canada was one of a handful of countries to appear in the top 10 for math, science, and reading. Um, you know, that, I hear that, I'm like, oh, okay, yeah, maybe we really are doing good. Um, but the thing that really shocked me about performance though was they were talking about um that that uh Canada has a very unique system in that like <laughs> the federal government is limited or sometimes non-existent in the role with regards to education which I mean me being more liber- libertarian oriented I'm like oh sweet that's awesome um but but the crazy part about that was that that three of our provinces if they had entered by themselves alberta british columbia and quebec would have been in the top pl- five places for science okay so i mean those are a little bit different points but they're to me they were like oh okay these are actually maybe some of the good things mm-hmm. uh the downfall though um is that i, I actually found a, a response article from the huffington post okay um where some of the finer points are are, are pointed out and and I mean, the tagline probably says it all, which says, "Let's look more at data before policymakers and universities believe their achievements right um and the most significant of that or the simplest way of putting it was that our scores were actually declining
1: oh wow but but you know what but that makes sense because even uh throughout the b b c article, um it was somewhat bragging at the fact that we didn't have a plan for our education system. <laughs> but we I, got here. Right, but, but we're number one. Um, and I remember from playing, uh, you know, Brampton Blue Devil basketball back in the day, right? Uh, coach always used to say, preparation prevents piss poor performance. So the fact that there is no game plan and you're not prepared and you're winning um, defies logic to me. So hopefully as we continue to dig into this thing, we can well, kind of see what's going put on. Play a little
0: bit devil's advocate. I mean, you know, you think about economics and we say the complete opposite. You know, those who try to plan the economy mm-hmm. end up with a piss poor performance.
1: Well, actually, yes, yes,
0: this this is true. Okay. So you end up with Venezuela, but <laughs> <Right>. let's, let's, <laughs> that, let's not go down that route. That's whole next week. <laughs> that's another podcast. <laughs> that's um, next week. But I mean, you know, to be honest, when I first read the article, I mean, that was my, my mind's kind of going there like, okay, essentially you're saying that, you know, the, the provinces kind of do all their own. They, they essentially function autonomously, mm-hmm. um, which to me, you know, as, as a libertarian minded, I'm, I'm always thinking, okay, the more local the government, the more the government programs are going to actually meet the needs of their their users mm-hmm. or, or the customers or the taxpayers.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So in that sense, um, the the education system has a little bit more agility to adjust. I mean, just contrast with Common Core. I don't know how much you people. Well, just, Common Core. What do you mean by that? The, common Core being the federal program in the U.S. where you know you look at something like their mathematical, like I I've seen stuff on the internet where it's just like, oh, here here's how to multiply two numbers together, and the answer follows a really obscure logical method. Now, for someone who's not understanding that might actually be able to explain it to them. Mm-hmm. But for the kid who already gets math, you're like, the guy's like, what am I looking at? This makes no sense. Like, I'm very mathematically inclined. I mean, I did math as, you know, that was my electives when I was in school because I did well in it. Right. And, and if I, when I'm looking at them, like, I would never teach it to a kid that way. Now, if I was, I tutored math. If I had a kid who didn't understand, maybe I would teach it that way. The point mm-hmm. I'm trying to get at though is the federal programs become so much more difficult to adjust mm-hmm. than something more local. So, if the programs are designed by school board, which I mean, we're not new; we're, we don't have an expert understanding of how the, the school boards or the provinces function their, their curriculums. But the if a school board has more ability to adjust the curriculum versus the common core scenario, where the federal government's adjusting the curriculum at mm-hmm. a greater extent, you have so much more difficulty to teach the material specific to your students.
1: Right. Right. Okay. Okay. And 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 that and that makes sense. That I can agree with. Um. But then at at certain points, um, with the testing that was done, it still showed that we were falling short. Right.
0: Yeah. I mean, essentially, the 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 BBC article really points out that you know the the data they gave was clearly, I mean, had some sort of an agenda. I mean, to that you know they're. I mean, it's very peculiar that BBC is promoting Canada. I mean, my, my inclination when you take in the context that, um, you know, so the, the BBC, or, or sorry, the Huffington Post article said, looking at historical data back to early 2000s, Canada's performance on PISA tests is in decline. We're, we are definitely not climbing any ranks. Mm-hmm. Only two countries in 2003 performed better than Canada on combined mathematics scale. And in 2015,
1: Canada ranked in 10th. Right. Right. But see, and, and this is the thing that's kind of weird. And, and I think that it's important for our listeners uh, to follow along with us that um, a lot of times when we take in these articles, um, we have to be able to compare it. It's not just to write off one particular view, but to compare the view. So we have two articles that are basically contrasting each other. We're going to look at you know, what makes sense. Right. So the second point that they had was, um, uh, Canada's, uh, high proportion of working age adults with post-secondary education. So basically it's saying that, um, we have a lot of people in the workforce who've done post-secondary and that sounds great. Doesn't it, Joel? Yeah, of course. I mean,
0: maybe back when the post-secondary education was more of a unicorn. what do you mean by that man well i mean you know think about it like 50 years ago when you had a post-secondary education you were one out of what 50 people that were applying for the same job that you had this differentiating factor Mm -hmm. now when one out of two candidates has a that differentiating factor it's no longer a differentiating factor right and this this counter article essentially points out that you know Essentially, minimum paying jobs, not obviously not entry level, not minimum wage jobs, but, mm-hmm. but minimum jobs just to enter the workforce for career type positions require a post-secondary
1: education. Right, right. And I would add that you know, the fact that everybody's gone to school doesn't mean they're smart. I mean, I work, I work in student loans now. And the amount of kids who call in and don't know how to fill out the application and then go about, you know, right, right. A lot of times it's their parents who call in are asking or are doing the applications for them right so there's a lot of people like honestly we have an amazing student loan program right where anybody can anybody can get a student loan and it's one of those points where i remember like being in school going to sheridan college and seeing guys who did worse than me in school at sheridan taking classes So it it was like, actually, I don't know if they were taking classes. They were just like stealing books from the book room and selling it at a lower price. But even then you could see that they were economically minded. (laughs) Right. But I, but I mean, the point is that they were trying um, to get into school and even though they didn't do well in school, they still got in. So I think that's also a reflection on, on, on our system in regards to our low standards and having classes that don't necessarily mean anything or programs. And I'm sure they have the same issue in the U S as well. Right. Yeah. I mean, I mean the beauty, you know, if you try to, com- and then the article makes this
0: point that, that Canada has a really low entrance barrier. Like there's low friction, right? You want to go to a post-secondary education, even if you can't qualify for student loans, mm-hmm. you can get a post-secondary education. I mean, I went through all the school, paid for it all myself without getting a loan. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, it, it wasn't easy. You mm-hmm. know, there's, there's people that got to work, you know, a full-time job and go to school part-time. Right. But the co- it's not like the US where the costs are forty thousand dollars a year. We're we're basically paying forty thousand max for full of education for four years. Right. You know, the high end stuff, like, you know, you're going to become a professional, you're getting a designation of some sort. Right. You know. Whereas the other programs are, are a little bit lower, probably closer to the twenty five, thirty thousand dollar programs. Mm-hmm. Obviously, if you're doing lawyers and, and you know, eight year programs, then that's a different conversation. But the US where they're coming out of school with a two hundred thousand dollar loan, like mm-hmm. You know, that's a, it's just a a hurdle that you can't even get out of because if you claim bankruptcy, you don't even lose it. But that's a, that's another another podcast. That's next week.
1: (laughs) So, okay, right, right. Okay. So, there you go. So, the fact that you've done post secondary doesn't mean you're smart, right? Mm. Next point. (laughs) Yeah. Next point. Well, and it doesn't mean you're going to get a job. Oh, oh, oh. Right. That's that's Uh. why so
0: many people are still sitting on student loans. Because they have to apply to oh look, I don't have guaranteed employment, I need exemption for my interest,
1: right and right so- right, and and trust me, yo yo customers call in at work, and for some reason, people think that um yes, they've borrowed money and that it should necessarily lead to a job, and when they don't have a job, and I've seen situations where guys have done you know computer engineering, and at some point they're mowing lawn they're just mowing a lawn yeah to pay bills and and it's one of those things where, where people feel like okay well you know i think i got ripped well i mean I,
0: you know the the economics perspective of this is you know the why is the student loan program growing well because the student loan the, the cost mm-hmm. of education is growing in canada like we talk about the education in canada being cheap mm-hmm. but there's a, a study, I think it was by the Fraser Institute that said over the last 10 years, 98% of the price increase is due to student loan increase. Mm-hmm. Right. And if you think about it from an economics perspective, you're making like prices indicate value. Right. Right. So when some when I go to the store and I look at a a, a pair of headphones that are 10 bucks versus 100 bucks, mm-hmm. no, maybe a little bit of that's marketing. But I'm assuming the $10 one is the cheapest quality product right. I can buy. Whereas the hundred dollar one's gotta at least have a little bit more quality because the name brand that's on it is trying to maintain the reputation. And right. if that headphone's gonna break in 30 days, that reputation's going down the drain. Right. So when you look at it from an, from a price point, when students make a decision to go into education, they're not evaluating the cost because guess what? The cost to them is zero. They right. can basically apply for a loan. And get approved, as you said the it's it's, it's almost impo- like impossible to get denied right right, so playing that back in the sense of if i didn't couldn't get a loan that easily, i'd have to evaluate yes. okay what is what is what am I going to pay to get right. this education or
1: even if we had a higher standard academically um to phase guys out right? well
0: I mean and that's a, a a reasonable you know approach, but at the same time then you get into this. Equal opportunity question yeah right? right so so is the is the stand and especially when it's government funded mm-hmm. education right because now it's saying well the government's not letting this people who aren't smart right. enough in but right. the thing is to why are there more lawyers than there are or so why are there more people with a law degree than there are lawyer positions well because they didn't were people who decided to go to law school didn't evaluate whether for them the amount of money they had to spend. And being able to go to a bank and say, okay, here's the money I'm going to borrow. Here's how I'm going to pay it back. Here's my plan. And, and lay out all of the aspects that you normally would when you're borrowing money for something. Mm-hmm. You're just simply going, I want the money. And then you end up with people getting like a degree in something that they just thought, oh, I'm going to go get a history degree, but I don't want to be a teacher.
1: I just wanted a history degree. Right. No, and 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 that's crazy. And that's why we kind of have to take a step back and look at these things. Now, like the third point now we have is low performance variation in advantaged and disadvantaged children. So essentially he's saying that um, we provide equal opportunity uh, for immigrants. That's why they come here. And when they come here, they help us. But one of the things I thought was kind of disrespectful, I'll just call it out, Uh, The way how he worded, uh, the way how um, immigrants have helped us academically. And he uses uh, the word and he says, uh, he says, children of newly arrived migrant families seem to integrate quickly and perform at the same level as their classmates. Now, I don't know about you, but I know when those immigrant kids came to my class, they were killing it. (laughs) <laughs> right no I, it's just one of those points we know that we know that so when he says like they're performing at the same at the same level i'm like come on man that's just flat out disrespectful you know what i mean shout out to all the uh, immigrants who come to the country and, and and build us up and show us how it's done you know coming from uh, academic programs where yeah it's rigorous right and then they come here or even not even not even if it's rigorous but sometimes you know their parents value education a lot more and yep. they understand what's at stake. So they come here and then they raise our average up. And so we, we look good on paper. Well, and I mean, you think of, obviously, we're not talking about
0: you know, some of the, the refugee crisis stuff, but look at most immigrants. Why are they coming here? You know, They've done something that most immigration policies are around, you know, you're coming here with employment, right? That's why I said exclude the refugee side, mm-hmm. right? because most of them are coming here with a, they're not coming here saying like, oh, uh, I'm going to be a gardener. Right. You know they're gonna to contribute to the economy mm-hmm. right i mean the and and if if that's the case, chances are their parents have put in the effort of some sort of education, maybe not as formal as we have in mm-hmm. structure here, mm-hmm. but they've done something in order to educate themselves in order to differentiate themselves from every other migrant that's trying to move here
1: right so then so then even the stats that we can boast about isn't even all us right so at at that point, I thought that was a I thought that was a a big point that they kind of uh, downplayed um, in the BBC article, uh, but there was another point I thought we need to touch on, and that's the equality that we provide. So it almost it was saying like like it's bridging the socioeconomic gap um, in, re- in regards to students um, academically. And I thought that was that was kind of misleading because it's saying, okay well look, if we're giving equal opportunities that must necessarily mean it's going to give an equal outcome and that everybody's going to be doing well, but that's not how, that's not how these things work. Right? No. I mean, you know, the funny thing is
0: like that. I think it's, it's great to boast about the equal opportunity, right? Like look at how schooling is funded here versus in the U S you know, one of the big problems with the U S system is it's all based on property taxes. So you have really rich, large home neighborhoods paying more money for their schools and so then the poor neighborhoods have less money going into their schools. And consequently, you know, there is a level where the amount of funds in the school significantly impacts the quality of teacher, the, you know, because of variability in terms of pay, you're able to get someone who has more years of experience versus entry level. Right. Whereas in Canada, it's just your funding is based on per student. Right. So, so yeah, the equal opportunity aspect there, a hundred percent is is, a, is important, but they you know they quoted some stats around the variation in scores in Canada caused by socioeconomic differences was nine percent. I don't know how they came up with that number, but compared with 20 percent in France and 17 percent in Singapore. so at least I'm assuming they apply the same methodology. It sounds a little bit hard to narrow down that something like that right um, but the the other article from the, the Huffington Post really wanted to point out that the problem with this is there's also an issue where some migrants come here who are really, really educated and consequently have a hard time finding a job, whether it's, you know, there's certain standards with regards to translating their, you know, designation from their country into our designation. And they're having a really hard time there. Maybe they have to do additional education or something. And so they end up as a low income individual, Mm -hmm. but really they're not the same as the low income individual who doesn't have an education. Mm -hmm. And not to, not to dis, you know, discriminate against those type of people, but the point being that if you have no education and, and you didn't see the value of it for yourself, you're probably you're not going to have the same um, kind of enforcing your kids or, or just and building up education with your kids. Mm-hmm. If you already have it, you're going to be like, okay, I know the value of it. I might not be receiving it in this country, but I received it back home and that's how I got here.
1: Okay, so then what would you leave the listener with? What is it the one thing you want them to take away? Um, from from this article, um, I mean, I think for me, the the
0: I think the BBC article, I I just felt it a little bit disingenuous, and I mean, there's a couple of reasons for that. Um, the first was, you know, of all the stuff that's really talked about, I thought that they highlighted two things: migrants. So there's two subheadings in the article: migrant students and equal opportunity or uh, equal chances. Sorry, was the term. And, you know, just thinking about a lot of the issues going on in the UK right now, um, with regards to migrants and, and that stuff, it seemed to be almost trying to like build up, Oh, look what Canada's doing. We need to be more like this. Cause it's actually good for the whole country. Um, I mean, I, I gained this perspective from someone named Tim Poole, who's a very independent reporter, which is that the migrant issue in, in the UK is actually about second generation migrants whose parents were were essentially like migrated in and then isolated, such so, that so they weren't integrating with the community. They were actually like set into their own town almost like, okay, now all of you live here and all of you live here. And so to the point where like, yeah, there's there was racism felt by those parents or those, those first generation that have now passed it on to the second generation, but it's a lack of, if anything, government planning to actually integrate migrants into society. So I know it's a huge sidebar, but mm-hmm. when I look at that in context of the the theme of this article, and not to say that those equal chance, I mean, we talked about migrants and equal chances a little bit, but I think that there's a overemphasis on that because there's other things that this article talks about, whether it's post-secondary education, access to to student loans, that are, in my opinion are just as equal of a thing to highlight, but mm-hmm.
1: clearly wasn't mhm mm-hmm. right, right no because totally i I felt that you know it was misleading, right Canada, the education superpower, right in a sense that it's giving us this this idea that we're doing well at something that we're not. Which is, data, especially when it comes to education, I, I, I don't play with that. And I think that's serious. And I think for the listener, I really want them to understand that, yes, we give an equal opportunity to everybody, and that's great, but that doesn't necessarily equal equal results. Like if we think back to our time being in school, and we think about you know the first day of school, we felt like it was January 1st. Everybody's had a resolution, a new start, a new year. And by the end of the year, you're calling up a suicide hotline. Right? After essays and exams, just weeding out the people, you know what I mean? Nobody's showing up to class and you're really trying to figure out where stress. you're going from there. you just stress, and it just, it just weeds you out. So think, like, when was the last time everybody had a 90% average or 80% in average in a class? And Mind you, private schools or whatever the case may be, not even gym class. Because even there were kids who couldn't even, you know, run the lap, right? So, yeah, I, oh. I, you know what I mean? So I, at some point, you kind of have to understand to be like, okay, look, man, we're not a superpower and if and, and if we're number 1 we're number 1 at, at 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 being average
0: yeah i mean not to mention they're only comparing the averages right like this is you know one of the things that i we didn't necessarily get to but i think again the disingenuous nature of this even report or article is that like we're just looking at the average right so when you look at statistics right you have your mean which is your average and you have your median and there's real if if your mean is way off from your median it talks it's it's indicating that your stats are skewed so that would say that like if the mean is lower Mm -hmm. sorry if the mean is higher than the median that means that majority of the students are actually below that average but there's a whole bunch of really really smart kids at the top pulling everyone's average up right 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 right. so again the article is just purely talking about mean right just pure average test scores that's not indicating if our test scores are actually skewed and if they are skewed, maybe we should be adjusting for the skews, such that every as now people are on different playing fields. Let's look at the true averages, right, right, or, or adjusted averages. It's not really true average because obviously we're changing the time frame. Um, so, I mean, I, I think reading one article without the other, I, even the the critical article, without mm-hmm. reading the other one, is is also kind of maybe too far to the other side, mm-hmm. because the other article is like, I mean, it does highlight. The the Huffington Post goes, okay, here are the four big points or five big points that they point out as positives. Mm-hmm. Now let me break those down for you and tell you why I think they're wrong. Right. I mean, if you just purely didn't read all of those points in context and maybe got a better understanding, you might be skewed to the opposite side. So are there good things you can take from this? Sure. I mean, what about you? Like, are you taking yeah. anything good
1: at it? Yeah, no. Um No. No, I took nothing good. <laughs> but I think that I, I'm more so worried and concerned. About policy makers, I'm 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 worried about um, you know school boards um, getting gassed up by by this article, right? And at some point, you know, you have to take a step back and say, you know, what's really going on, especially for the student who's going into this, pro- going into these programs, and saying, okay, well, look, um, you know, so and so school is killing it right therefore this is the spot i'm supposed to be at uh, based on bbc uh and, and the report that it gave i i just want to encourage the listener um to uh use discernment um be a good historian and that's why you know you're listening to us um because this is this is well this is what i do and I, and i and i think it's important to practice these good skills in regards to really looking at what these articles are saying not just the one um but but other but other perspectives, right, and and getting a good feel for it, and I and I hope that this conversation is helpful in helping people understand the difference between the mean, the median, uh, equal opportunity is not doesn't necessarily equal 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 outcome, right, and that yeah the 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 academics the the educational system isn't isn't doesn't work that way, right. At, at some point, you're going to have people at the bottom you're gonna have people at the top
0: yeah and i i would say you know for me um the things that i really when i you know looking at the article looking at the whole topic i think that you know we we definitely lack and this is a perfect example of it we lack objective reporting in our in our media right like there there isn't an honest conversation about the good and the bad in the, in the BBC article It's literally just like, just blowing smoke
1: up. Right. And that's why, <laughs> that's why the, that's why the listener has to do the work and that, you know, no article is going to be that way. And that's, and, and that's the thing. Sometimes I understand as a listener, you don't want to do the work, but guess what? That's why Joel and I are here. We're going to do the work for you. <laughs> right. We're trying. We're trying. No, well, I mean, no, and, cause you know what I mean? We, you know, yeah, that's what we do. We do the work, right? As historians, as economists, uh, as theologians, uh, that's what we do. We read and we read critically.
0: Yeah, I mean, we want to we want to edu- educate ourselves. Obviously, you know, for the most part, we're going to have our our natural inclination to opinions on certain things. You know, I've mentioned being liber- libertarian minded, being economically minded. You know, I'm I'm going to be negative towards the the government to some extent, and and you know, trying to say, wait a second, should we really be doing this? But But at the same time, I want to, and Darnell, you can agree with me for this, is like, I want to be able to speak about the other side of the argument as well, if not better than they can. I want to represent them to the fullest to say, okay, not to, not to steal manning them. Right. To straw man, steel uh, manning. Right. You know, to such that this is an honest conversation, you know, because what's the point here? We're we're doing the, the six cents report. Right. Right. And, and, and I would say that's a wrap. And we've pretty much said my two cents. And that's, I think that's my two cents. And hopefully we represent
1: the customer or the client, whatever, the listener. So you're still talking like an economist and that's your two cents as well. But you heard me. Does that make sense?